Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Oh, welcome back to the Luke and Pete show. I'm the Pete part of it. And Luke, I believe you are approaching being the Luke part of it. I'm 99.9% there, I think. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? <laughs> Good, man. Yeah, sun, sun shining where I am. I'm having a lovely old cup of coffee and some unlovable um, crispy cereal. Yeah, what is it? I don't know. It's like some kind of, it's one of those kind of like country farm kind of cereals with little bits of freeze-dried strawberry or raspberry in it. Well, you really are living in the countryside these days. Not as look, it's not as good as the nut version. I'm telling you now, it's not as good as the nut version. I thought you'd be like a proper, like no nonsense, an absolute push frosties man. I, I thought you'd be like a standard, basic level cereal guy because you are in many ways not a puritan, but you like to d- deny yourself any of their life's pleasures. No, I, I, no, I like to uh, eat the sugariest thing possible. Every option that I take food-wise is always the sugariest thing possible. That's, that's, that's how I live my life. I just want sugar all of the time, baby. Mm. Um, I, uh, my, I, I spent – actually, I think possibly why I was concerned that I might have some kind of um, stomach condition, uh, quite serious one uh, last week, um, was because I'd eaten um, no less than three individual cinema-sized boxes of um, the cinnamon uh, snack hot tamales uh, in, uh, uh, ordered from Amazon. Uh, and I just ate three boxes in three days. And uh, yeah, I felt dreadful for, for the back end of that week. And it, it ruined quite a few social engagements. So it, look, if, if anybody's out there who's like me, they love their MSG, they love their sugar, they love their salt. Um, don't eat three boxes of cinema-sized um, um, hot tamales. It, it will almost kill you. Yeah, I don't think you need to go to the doctor because I can tell you now what the doctor's going to tell you. Like, Stop doing that. Stop doing yeah. everything that you're doing. Right, can Stop you, doing everything you're doing. The first thing he's going to say is he's probably going to take your blood pressure, just check your mm. temperature or whatever, yeah. and then he's going to start asking mm. you questions, right? And you're going to have to answer those questions. And some of them would involve you saying to him what you've just said to every listener listening now, where that's mm. what you've eaten. And he's going to say, all yeah. right, he's going to close his book in a quite a dramatic way. Has he, has he got a book? I don't know. Maybe it's like his diary or whatever. He's going to close it like that. Yeah. Close it and go, Mr. Donaldson, <laughs> you're wasting my time. You're wasting your own time. The NHS is under huge pressure as it is because of COVID. Yeah. Get out of my surgery. And on the way home, pick up some vegetables, drink plenty of water, and do not darken my door again unless it's on a fucking gurney. That's what he's going to say. And I'll say, I'll say, Doc, could I maybe get a flu jab? Here's a flu jab, mate. Come on. 
Can I just have a flu jab? Doc, can I use your address for my next Amazon pantry delivery? Because uh, <laughs> they won't keep bringing stuff to my house anymore. And then all the hot tamales will turn up and you will have a little sex party with them. Yeah, I love a hot tamale. I mean, I, I, I think I ordered it last week. Um, they're like candy corn slash... They're like um, jelly beans. Hot, spicy, cinnamon, challenge-shaped jelly beans. They're delicious. Wow. They are lovely. They're like an American classic. I've never even... I mean, you say that, but I've never even really heard of them. Uh, they're like Mike and Ike's kind of shaped uh, kind of things. Um, or uh, Good and Plenty's. They're the licorice um, torpedoes uh, of American cinema uh, food. I, I love all that stuff. It's so good and sugary and murderous. Have you ever had like proper American cinema popcorn with the butter on it? Mm, not really, no, no. So for those who don't know... Uh, in the US, the you you buy popcorn from the from the vendor, obviously as you would normally, and then at the side, mm. much the same as you'd have like one of those push down plunger things for ketchup in McDonald's or whatever. They mm. have like loads of those, and they're all filled with like hot, and they call it hot butter, but it, mm. it, it isn't. I don't think it is actually butter because it smells it's sugar very it. strange, and it it kind of coats all the popcorn with this sticky gluey wet stuff and I, I, I when I first had it I was like I don't see the attraction in this I'm not eating this and I couldn't go I couldn't go near it I didn't like it at all mm. and but they're obsessed with it over there well they're, they're kind of like you know like we had um, kind of uh, chocolate sort of caramel salted caramel uh, quite recently there was a salted caramel revolution and um, everything's got salt in it now <laughs> Uh, when it comes to caramel and it does work but they've been doing that for years like the oh, old yeah. peanut butter cups and stuff like that they've been mixing the the sweet and the and the salty uh, for a very long time it it, it just gives the, uh, the the sweets a bit more of a a, a a bigger dimension a bigger palette i would say i think they've always been miles ahead of us um in terms of different flavors of things haven't they mm. yeah, yeah yeah massively the flavor i mean like, i've said this before i think um i believe i have but just to reiterate like don't don't be in Leicester Square. They've got a big shop called M and M's World, right? They do not have. It's a massive tourist attraction. It's called. It's literally mm. called M and M's World. They don't have as not, as many flavors in there as you get in the in the general corner shop in the US. Mm. I, I I didn't think that the M and M World had many flavors. I think it was all just about the colors. I thought they just you know M and M's are pretty basic, aren't they? I mean, there's just the nutty ones and the non nutty ones. Even if they do nutty ones anymore. Um, but M and M's are unlovable at best. No, I like them. Mm, no good. A peanut butter M and M is a thing of beauty. Then why have they got talking ones on the telly? Why are they having <laughs> sex with women and stuff? Yeah, that's confusing because like those adverts, you have. I'm pretty sure I remember an advert where the guy almost threatens to eat himself, which is weird. And then there's <laughs> one where, it, like, the woman is having a an affair with a giant M&M when the husband mm. comes home from work. Again, I don't know what they're going for there. <laughs> like a gigantic anthropomorphic kind of M&M. Mm. I, I, I don't see how that's looking to sell M&Ms. No, it, it doesn't make me want to have M&Ms big, small, or talking uh, in any description. And, you know, I, I, I've never liked M&Ms. They're, they're not great. But, yeah, I, I just don't understand why people would go to Leicester Square. Even, like, you know, American tourists, they, they will walk past M&M World in, in Leicester Square and they'll want to go in. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess, I mean, do you, do you find that you've, you you presumably find that you behave like a tourist in other cities though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Walking around slowly, getting in the way, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
yeah, just kind of like getting off a train and sort of looking around, not really sure where I am, but everything's so enchanting, and I think I'm enchanting, and just get the fuck out of my way, Donaldson, you tit. <laughs> You're struggling um, for your holidays at the moment as well, mate, because of um, the old oh, lockdown business. Still my nothing. It's absolutely, it's actually, we can't go anywhere now. My holiday levels are devastatingly low. <laughs> Right yeah, now, that's 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 gonna that's probably gonna that's the real, that's that's the real meltdown as well, isn't it? At some point, yeah, no doubt. Strap yourselves in, guys. Speaking of, um, speaking of, you know, on Monday we're talking about movies we'd seen. I actually watched another movie the other day. I watched, I finally got round to watching, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. You seen that one? Oh, yeah, yeah, decent, yeah, enjoyable. very enjoyable again. Mm, a lot of feet. Uh, Tarantino, obviously, big foot fetish, fetishist. He is. Uh, I didn't know there was feet. a lot of feet in the movie. Though. Was that, is that a thing? Oh, was it? They were all over the gaff. I think. Um, oh yeah, he puts one foot. She puts one foot on the windscreen. Yeah, the other one puts her foot, puts her feet up, which is what she's in the cinema. Yeah, you know you've mentioned it. Yeah, there's feet everywhere. It's just feet. It's just all of the cast are just feet. Because he did that <laughs> one with um, Sam Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn, mm, didn't he? Yeah, he's yeah. an absolute weirdo, Tarantino. Isn't he? He's an. He's a. He's. <laughs> He's an odd bod, isn't he? He is an odd bod. It was, a, it was a, one of his films I've enjoyed the most since Inglorious Bastards, probably. Mm, yeah, definitely return to farm if indeed he, he dropped off any. I've still not watched any of his grindhouse ones. Oh, no. I, fa- I found fuck. that um, Django Unchained and The Hateful Eight were both mm. like way too long. Like, way too long. And mm. they also had like... I mean, obviously, this is quite obvious to say, given that Django Unchained is literally about a slave. But I found mm. the race—I found it just quite uncomfortable to watch, like unnecessarily. Mm. Like, I mean, maybe it isn't unnecessary. I don't know. But like, if you watch, for example, Twelve Years a Slave, which is one of the best films I've ever seen. Obviously, got a mm. black director, and it's done in a way where it—it's it, not. It's quite unalloyed, right? It's saying this is what it was like, and it was fucking horrific. Whereas mm. I think when you're Quentin Tarantino and you've got a reputation for making these stylized type movies, where everything's quite stylized, you you apply that technique or that style to a movie like that, it just comes just comes across as like massively distasteful. I thought. Yeah, it's 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 a very very difficult uh, line to to um, kind of work up up to. I think as a, as a white director, and he, you know, frequently has uh, has overstepped that line a few times. But you know, it, it, he has employed a lot of a lot of black actors in his time. Probably not as many as, as he as he uh, should be. But yeah, it's a it's a um, it's he's not covering himself and covering everyone. I always find like with um, I think Sky are doing a, a Black History Month. Uh, kind of collection of films and the thing that gets me is like a lot of the films are like really worthy kind of like bookish films and stuff and there's no you know the, the black history seems to be um, films that represent black history as in like the, the, the struggle of, of, of apartheid or slavery or um, segregation in, in the south and stuff there's there's no actual kind of celebration of black directors you know making fun films or, or films that you know the, the, the black history has to be about um, the historical, like actual historical um, events, rather than you. Could, I think there's an argument to be said that you could mix in the idea of Black History, also being Black people working in cinema and directing in cinema, and so you know films where there's a bit of joy about fucking living. Like it, I, yeah. I think it kind of, it, it kind of, um, it gives a very small kind of like. Um, 
a very small part of of the picture, I think. And I, and I think uh, I'd, I'd quite like to see like just a, a, a set of, of films where it's not necessarily about um, about the parts in, in history, pretty much all of history, where black people have been subjugated and, and and put down, but people who have broken out and 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 been able to make films that aren't about necessarily uh, the black condition and are just about people living their lives and stuff like that. I realise yeah. that's, that's a very, you know, white person thing to say, but I do always, I do, you know, the sort of miserable people who sort of go, oh, you know, bless you, you know, blah, 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 when is there going to be a blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that there needs to be some celebration of modern black voices in cinema. Otherwise, it's just going to be just, oh, it, you know, this is what happened in, in, in the past, but it's all different now. It's not all different now. Um, and I think black directors have very, very different voices because they've become very, very different places. And, and I, you know, I, I think some of those films should be mixed in. So just a, 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 a concatenation of film after film about um, black people being, you know, just, you know, destroyed or by, by, by the hand of the white man, effectively. It's, I Steve know, McQueen it's came out, the director of 12 Years a Slave, and said mm. that, um, something about, oh, I don't want to misquote him, but something about how, He's frustrated by things that are called black British culture, where he would say yeah. it, it prefers British, British culture. British culture, yeah, 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 which I totally understand. I totally get that. And I think um, one thing you could say about uh, Black History Month is it's an attempt to get people to understand and to and to and maybe think about things in a way they would never would have before. Because mm. ultimately, let's be perfectly honest: if you live in like a small town in the UK, you're not going to think about black issues because you don't have to. Right, mm. unless unless you're black, obviously. So mm. I think the idea of raising awareness and getting people to think about these things a little bit more deeply is, is a helpful thing, and, and the intentions are obviously mm. pure. But I do un- I do understand what you mean. It was, it was like twelve years ago. It was like Beale Street and stuff like that. It's like yeah, I've seen all these films and I I, I enjoyed them, but they were, they are about harrowing chapters in, in in black people's lives, and I and I just think that doesn't celebrate the the the, the modernity of 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 um, black uh, people working in cinema and creating different experiences. It's very one-dimensional for me. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, changing train slightly, um, I had my first... I forgot to tell you uh, when I saw you. I, I, I had my This week, I had my first direct experience with a COVID-denying, like, hoaxing kind of conspiracy theorist this week. Oh, wow, cool. On the, tr- that's, on that's the tube. On the tube on the way into work, right? Mm. So uh, people would have seen, if they're not in London, they would have seen that, that um, you know... Um, yeah, people are traveling to work in public transport. And then through part of the lockdown, when we were able to, I was driving into the office, which is about, I don't know, seven or eight miles away. And mm. ever since I've been, I've, I've changed to public transport and people are wearing masks, generally speaking. I'd say like 95% of people are wearing masks and you assume the others have got a um, an exemption or whatever. Mm. Anyway, so people are kind of socially distancing on the tube and I was sat down um, and there was no one next to me, but there's a few other people in the carriage. And this guy got on with no mask, and he was honestly like ranting and raving. And he kept screaming at people, You're inhaling your own toxins. You're inhaling your own toxins. Right? Oh, dear. And I was like, Oh my God. And the thing, the thing is, right, and this is part of the interesting part of it, I think. Is that so? If I'm on the tr- tube train, and if I was to see like I don't know a man, and this guy was a man, he's probably a bit older than mm. me, um, not not a small guy, just a normal sized guy. If it, in normal times, if I had seen that person be super aggressive to someone who was smaller than him, or or a woman, or whatever, or a child, mm. I would you know me, Pete, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I would 100 percent fucking step in. I wouldn't be awkward about it. I would just go mm. over and say, "What are you doing?" But it was quite weird because. 
it didn't get to this stage because he inevitably got off the next stop and just went to the next mm. carriage and walked off. But it's it's kind of interesting how you would deal with it because of the of the social distancing thing now, right? Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't feel like you. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, you'd have to sort of go. Look, this is just you know, I'd, I'd be getting whatever he had anyway. So <laughs> let's let's but roll that dice, shall we? Not just for him, but for the, for the victim of it as well, right? They, they don't yeah, want another person exactly, in that space. Yeah. Remember there was that guy who like spat on, on, on yeah he spat in the face of that woman who died at Victoria Station a little while ago and there yeah. was no there was no kind of corporate protection for her or even acknowledgement that there was even a connection to to what she'd experienced you know it's very hard to prove that sort of thing but still it's it's yeah. uh, it's, it's it was a really really sad tale. So what I did is I normally just I mean you know what London is a lot I mean like I say if it got out of hand I would obviously step in but. Normally, mm. you know, you're a Londoner, right? So you just let you just ignore people and they go away. You get it happens all the time. For those who don't know, people mm. get on the tube and they ask for money. Shouting, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, just, just shouting. But in this instance, when I got off at um, the stop, I needed to get off. At, I actually went to the information bit and said, "By the way, there's a guy on the tube train I just got off of who's like properly intimidating people, hassling them, screaming at them, mm. and you might want to have a look at it because it's like a public safety thing, right?" Mm. Uh, and um, they said they would they would go and see. So I basically grasped Pete. I grasped someone up. <laughs> You're going to need to be in public protection. You're going to have to need to be in uh, some kind of witness protection program I'm, now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just worried about going home again. Well, uh, <laughs> the big be, spitty uh, be, man is oh, yeah, after you. He won't notice me because I had a mask on. See, there's the irony. <laughs> exactly. Well, you get away with so many, so many more crimes now. The um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll one up you on that one. There was a. It, it's not really my story, but um, Self Care Club is a show that's to kind of uh, produce. You can listen to it all over wherever you get pods. Self Care Club, and they were doing um, goat yoga, uh, a kind of way to um, goat relax. yoga. Yeah, relax and kick back with some goats. And um, they talked to this uh, woman who was basically running the running the thing, and um, um, off off microphone, um, she basically was this um, underground pedo cave truther uh, talking about you know all the earthquakes we've been having lately is actually well, Donald Trump blowing up all the underground caves of of the pedophiles. Oh my god. That's like, it's rare that you see it's rare you occasionally see it you see people touching on it on facebook and you sort of go right maybe you've got a vested interest in you know not wearing masks and stuff like that um you know maybe you own a bar or a pub or a, or a night spot and you, you kind of want to you know you, you, your life to continue as it was but when you sort of hear people being really like QAnon level crazy you sort of go wow i've never i've never actually experienced someone in in, in the wild actually um espousing these views or, or, or spouting these views at least so how, how did it come about how did they kind of react to it and stuff I, I think well i mean to be honest i think you're in a you're in a field with a lot of goats anyway um so maybe you know it's not you're all in a weird situation <laughs> but just... there's a um there's a guy i won't name him because it'd be unfair but he's kind of tangentially related to my wife's friend right mm. and he's he's kind of this guy who does he's always been a guy who kind of does odd stuff anyway like he, he'll jump mm. in his car and drive across the country and yeah and on a whim and he he went through a phase of just only eating meat right and right. this is before all this kind of trump stuff came along and this q and on stuff came along but i mean if, if, if i'm not being unfair to i'm not going to name the guy but if i'm not being unfair to him I hope you understand what I mean when I say 
it was his mind might well have been fertile ground for this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And I kind of tangentially know him, so I followed him on Instagram for a while. But I ended up stopping a while back because I just had a bit of a clean out of all the people I was following, and he just he just didn't survive the cut, which I'm sure I'd be devastated to know. But um, <laughs> anyway, I went back and looked at his um his page because I think I saw him liking someone else's photo, and I clicked on him, and he has gone like properly full onto it now. And um, mm. the thing you and I always joke about, Pete. He his most recent Instagram post is just the truth about nine eleven that they don't want you to know, and his first line right is fact: jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, right? And it's, he, it's he, like the it's like Baby's first uh, conspiracy theory, isn't it? Really? It's, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it's a stepping stone. It's a stepping mm. stone for him, mm. and so he's um he's doing all this Q and on stuff. He's talking about um, do all your own research. Get wake up. <laughs> do your own re- do your research. Just look at someone else's shitty YouTube video. Do your own research. <laughs> Learn your history, by which I mean not the history I teach you in schools. And then it goes full yeah. on. It goes. This isn't about politics. This is a fight for the children. It's like, oh, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> so he's gone like full on. So isn't it interesting though? The the idea that you know if you're gonna you can make. I mean, one person can just believe whatever, right? If one person is, mm. is, is, is work that way, then whatever. But isn't it fascinating and also a little bit terrifying how everyone who's who believes in this stuff kind of agrees just to believe it? So it's, what I'm trying to say is, it's not like they've all been radicalized at the same time in one movement. Mm. People have mm. chosen in bits and pieces to kind of all like gravitate towards this thing. I find mm. it absolutely terrifying. What? what the human mind is capable of believing. And it's very, very difficult to get them out of it. If you watch that, there was a really good video about QAnon on the Financial Times website, mm. which one of our mates shared with us. And I think you were on the thread as well. And it had an interview in it with a guy who was now an expert in cultish behavior. And the reason mm. he's an expert in cultish behavior is because he's got some PhD about um, psychology from, from a good university. But in his teenage years, he was uh, indoctrinated into a cult and he spent three or four years um, in that cult and then he was deprogrammed and de-radicalized and he started his own journey about how it happens. And he talked a mm. lot about how to behave around people that, that that believe this stuff and what you need to do. And so it, was, it was fascinating but also absolutely terrifying because apparently the most natural reaction if it was, say, someone you knew or a friend – is obviously just to cut them out of your friendship circle, right? Well, I don't want to talk to that guy mm. anymore because they're fucking mad, right? And apparently mm. that's the last thing you want to be doing because yeah. they then Driving just see the that as further evidence. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Chilling. And then you get, you get the President of the United States not taking an opportunity to denounce it live on TV, and it's like, what is going on, man? <laughs> it's it's Oh, jeez. I mean, like, look, through the through the looking glass, we've spoken about at length about it before, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, we'll take a short break. <laughs> We're going to get to your, presumably, uh, your, your just as fertile uh, ground uh, on the emails. Hello, little picture if you want to get in touch. We'll be back in a minute for more of your dispensers. Dispatches. Probably should have said dispatches. Big dollars with you <laughs> on the little page. Your dispensers. Your dispensaries. Uh, yeah, if you want to get to uh, hello at lukepeachshow.com as discussed. Um, what have we got in the emails, uh, Lukey Moore? I just want what to say that if you, believe, if you believe in QAnon, then um, mm. email in and let us know why, because I'd be interested mm. to hear people's input on it. And I'd also be interested in where people draw the line on conspiracy theories. I mean, what point do you think 
oh, that's an acceptable one and that one isn't. There's someone who's done like a really mm. interesting study about the gateway kind of conspiracies that get people onto the, you know, for want of a better phrase, the harder stuff. Um, mm. It's all pretty interesting stuff. Anyway, let's get back to more safe ground with an email from Tom who wants to tell us about stealing alcohol from his job. Oh, nice, like this. He says, uh, hi, guys, your chat regarding general work-related mischief reminded me of a little scheme that me and a friend had while working at a famous hotel chain. Um, and I think this is reference to the uh, the story I told about a friend of mine who used to buy a sausage roll at the start of each shift at a supermarket and keep the receipt. And then the rest of the day, he could eat as many sausage rolls as he liked because if anyone questioned him, he always had the receipt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like that one. Tom goes on to say, as guests checked in to this hotel, they received a drinks voucher, which could be redeemed at the bar. This could be for a soft drink or an alcoholic drink. So a colleague and I devised a scheme to ensure we could get pissed on shift at the expense of the hotel. When a guest redeemed their drink, we would write down what it was on the back of the voucher so it could be added to the system and accounted for in the stock take. But Mm. here's the beauty of the scheme. When guests asked for a Coke or lemonade for their free drink, we would write on the voucher rum and Coke or vodka and lemonade and discreetly enjoy our beverage. We were never caught doing this despite some suspicious behavior whenever several soft drink ordering children had arrived that day. Long may the schemers (laughs) prosper. All the best, Tom. Look, I think if you're on what was usually close to uh, uh, living wage, possibly even less, um, I think you are allowed to take as many liberties as you like, quite frankly, especially in a hotel. Should you be getting pissed at work? It depends on how safe you could be when you've imbibed alcohol, one might suggest. I would suggest that as long as nobody tried to talk to me, I could get away with it. But because I'm, I'm a pretty good drunk, but I think that a lot of people are a little bit too clumsy when they're pissed. So I'm not confident of anything. I'd, I'd, I'd be a better worker. I think you are talking absolute shit. When I, <laughs> when I, when I remember once I was in the pub with you, we went for it to a few bars and mm. you got pissed, not even that pissed, mm. and you drew um, a fake tattoo of the Red Hot Chili Peppers logo on yourself for no yeah. reason. So cool. people look at that. That's a red flag, mate. Cool. People are going to see that. You can't. What do you, you mean? You can't, they probably just think that guy really loves the Chili Willies. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, mm. I think also if you're going to – I do have sympathy with the idea that if you're working behind a bar, it's an occupational hazard, right? Yeah. Like if you work in a kitchen, speed and cork in. <laughs> if you're going to be a delivery driver, you're going to get caught in traffic. This is how mm. it goes. It's an occupational yeah. hazard. So I don't necessarily blame them for that. I remember when I worked at a hotel bar once at uni for a while, you had to stay behind the bar until the last resident went to bed. Oh, no. So sometimes it could be like 6 a.m. Jeez, that is miserable. But I guess if you're on shift, you're on shift. You know, they can't make you work more hours than, than necessary. But it does seem – I never understood people who just like to, you know, be a hotel bar fly, unless you can't sleep. I, I don't know, man. I just never – going back to the hotel and then hitting the bar just has very little kind of allure for me. Maybe as an older man, I'll, I'll get into that, that, that kind of – I know, think it's worse if you're an older Peter man. Reading, as I call it. But, well, I don't know. I just, I just, I just, I just can't be – can't be bothered with it. <laughs> the, the thing is, I, I do understand that if, if I'm away with work or whatever, on my own, mm. in a city, mm. say, I don't know, think of it. I mean, Marrakesh, right? I don't know why. Where's that? that? Why city. is that? Why have you said Marrakesh? Well, it just seems like quite a glamorous location, right? 
Are you doing import, 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 export, and spices? What? What's yeah, yeah. What's going on here? I'm, that's what I'm doing. I've, I'm, no. I'm, 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 I'm staying in a hotel, and I understand the glamour of having a drink in a hotel bar, seeing the world go by, lots of people from lots of different nationalities coming and going, mm-hmm. interesting people watching. I mm. understand the glamour of that, but I also accept that there's nothing glamorous about me, right? So I'm not some <laughs> kind of like you know James Bond type character. People mm. are just going to think, who's that weird guy sat on his arm looking own? at me? Yeah, looking at me. So I, I kind of see both sides of it. Maybe if you go along with a book, you can kind of get away with it, but it's not uh, It's not ideal. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Have you got any emails <laughs> there, mate? I have, yeah. Um, Dom. Oh, Dom, you've really made my day. Uh, just following on from the quick mention of the overstuffed Horniman uh, walrus. Remember that uh, walrus oh, yeah. that, was, uh, that was stuffed pre- the person knowing what a walrus looked like. So it was absolutely massive and it's in the Horniman Museum and it looks amazingly humorous. Um, I thought you'd appreciate the seemingly overarmed monkey that they have there too. Uh, and they have, um, and, and, and Dom has appended a picture of uh, said monkey. Um, the thing is, right, Dom has um, appended a picture of not a monkey, but a gibbon. Uh, that is actually a correctly stuffed uh, and underarmed, if anything, uh, gibbon. Gibbons have very, very long arms with three kind of like an elongated hand. Um, so it looks like it's got um, two different elbows. Um, so, Dom, you're in for a treat, mate. If you've never seen a gibbon before, Type it into Google. Type it into Google. Enjoy the YouTube results that come up. I, you know, when you, someone's like never read a book, that's like your favorite book, and you go, "You're in for a fucking treat," yeah. or your favorite film or your favorite album or something. Um, yeah, if you've never seen a gibbon before, and you've never seen a gibbon bipedally moving through the through the through the earth and through the world, um, just check it out because you're in for a treat, mate. Um, but and, but the the picture that you've appended is a picture of a gibbon, and it looks like a healthy little white cheek gibbon. <laughs> I'd love to be there when he sees it for the first time. Like, Shit. He's going to lose his mind. He's going to lose his mind. Give us a review next week, Dom. Have a yeah. look at the Gibbons. Give us a review. Marks out of 10. Lovely old job. And if you, once you've enjoyed that, perhaps try a rhino next. Because they're very hard to describe a rhino. You know? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but surely you will have seen a rhino before. What's what they say about the, um, I can't remember what they say. It's like, it's like I think there's a saying about a rhino, isn't there? Like, you, you, when there's a rhino in the room, it's hard to describe it, but you know it's a fucking rhino in the room, right? <laughs> I would I would describe it as like a hippo with battle cat armor on. Yeah, a, a kind yeah. of war ready hippo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a a weird thing at the Horn Museum called I think they just call it the Merman or something, where right. um, it's I think it originates in I, I want to say. It, in the, it's, 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 it's purported to originate in Japan and mm. it's 1400 years old, but it's actually a kind of fake thing exhibited in America by PT Barnum, you know, the old circus guy. Mm. Mm. And it's a, it's a big fish basically with the head and shoulders of some kind of primate. And, oh, um, right. Okay. And they kind of made it out to be this actual like a merman skeleton, basically. And that's on display at the Horniman as well. So, listen, mm. if that emailer sees that, he is going to lose his shit. There was, there was one in there. Uh, there was a mermaid in um, in Hartlepool's uh, museum back in the day. That's the only exhibit I can bloody remember. Such a rich history of shipbuilding and, and stuff like that. And all I can remember is um, a, a recessed glass um, uh, box with ropes in them, different kinds of rope knots, and uh, a mermaid's skeleton. 
That's all I can remember. In many ways, that is the history of Hartlepool, right? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we, we uh, probably, I imagine there's a lot of pictures of the um, famous Hartlepool monkey that is actually a given. So we, Was we, that we a given as well? Know. I imagine it's probably a chimp, personally. Uh, yeah, yeah I think that would look chimp. more like a human man. But chimp yeah. hangers hasn't got the same um, ring no. to it. No, and, and and if you did try and hang, you'd have to bind the hands and legs of the primate. Um, but the you, what would you do if, if it was a monkey and it had like a prehensile tail? Um, how would you sort of keep that from grabbing the rope and saving itself? I mean, the monkey the likes a rope. It likes a rope. It's just it going to climb up. A, it famously likes a rope. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> when Alan Partridge, when he, he's at the owl sanctuary, isn't he? You're sentenced to be hung by the neck and no hovering. <laughs> um, uh, death by fire and score is the answer here and on that note Pete we're going to get out of here we're going to finish up for this week's Luke and Pete show episodes we will of course mm. as ever be back on Monday with more of this inane nonsense hello at lukeandpetesshow.com to get in touch perhaps you've seen a film you like tell us about it perhaps you've seen a stuffed animal that particularly caught your eye perhaps like Peter you've heard a hippo be smacked over the head with a tea tray tell us what mm. it was like get in touch hello at lukeandpetesshow.com and we look forward to hearing from you soon. Say goodbye, Peter. Goodbye, Peter. And of course, it's goodbye from me as well. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.